Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Four free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Thursday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Wherever you're listening around the state this afternoon or online, we're glad you're with us. Got a full show for you today. Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. He'll be joining us a little later in the show. Lee Smithson, former executive director of the Emergency Management Agency. He's going to be on the show in the latter part of the hour. We're going to be talking to uh, Dr. Teresa Camp-Rogers here in just a couple of moments. But first, we'll remind everybody about our good friends at Dickey's Barbecue Pit, uh, supporting local restaurants, so important right now. Dickey's is open for business seven days a week, drive through or home delivery. Uh, their full menu is available, and we really want to encourage you to support Dickey's and all the other fine restaurants here in the Pine Belt and all throughout the state of Mississippi, wherever you're listening this afternoon. Uh, they need your support. Uh, they need your help. All right, our first guest today, Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios here in Laurel and Hattiesburg, is uh, Dr. Teresa Camp-Rogers from South Central Regional Medical Center, who's drawing all kinds of attention uh, recently on Fox News, uh, deservedly so. Uh, Doctor, you guys uh, got together, formed an organization to provide uh, the mask that we hear so much about uh, and so much need for it right now in the medical community, but... It became more than that, didn't it? It, uh, I'm going to guess, exceeded your expectations. It did. It definitely exceeded our expectations. Um, And uh, thank you for the opportunity to talk about the good the good work that's been done um, here at our hospital. Um, So when we uh, first started observing and paying attention to the COVID pandemic back in January, we knew that maintaining an adequate supply of PPE would be challenging. And so we did um, kind of a multi-pronged approach. We had, obviously, our materials management director, who's been working really diligently and and, um, sourcing PPE from uh, all over the nation and all over the world was one thing that we did. Another thing that we did is formulated a community mass drive. And um, that community mass drive uh, included... um, working with people in our community to make fabric masks and several hundred fabric masks were made and donated and continue to be donated. And then it's also part of that community mass drive. Um, what was done was, um, uh, the, uh, marketing coordinator, um, Allison Evans, one of our marketing coordinators, she found a group called Mask Match. And what it is, it's a nonprofit that allows hospitals and clinics to request donations of PPE. And so she did. Uh, She requested a donation of PPE, and within um, just a handful of days, we received a donation of uh, surgical masks and N95s. And you also indicated to me when we were talking off air that this came in real handy in relationship to all the the close proximity rescue workers were involved in and, and people that were helping with the tornado damage. It did, and um, so what happened? We all we all know about April twelfth, and we all know about those devastating tornadoes. And um, right after that, those tornadoes happened, it became clear that we had people um, 
responding to our um, to to this devastating tornado and responding to that recovery effort. And we felt like it was our responsibility from a public health standpoint as as a part of this community to um, to donate masks um, to that recovery effort so that those people that are working side by side, um, looking out for the health and uh, the shelter um, and, and safety and well-being of those of the, our community, that we were able to donate the masks um, so that that would keep uh, people safe from COVID. And I know there was some concern in the medical community of Jones County about that, about the fact that this work had to be done yeah. that could create a spike in COVID-19. But do you think being able to provide the mask prevented that? So... I can speak from my own observations, um, but I can't necessarily, I, I don't know what the state, I mean, you'd have to look at what the State Department of Health does, but I can mm-hmm. look from our observations, and from my observations, I have not seen a spike um, in cases after the tornado, and my hope is that, um, my hope is that it did. Again, not um, not officially working for the State Department right. of Health, but as an right. extension, and definitely ob- observing that and watching for that, and we have thankfully not seen that happen yet. Right. Luke? Talking to Dr. Teresa Camp Rogers of South Central Regional Medical Center. Doc, thanks so much for coming on. I just want to let you know um, we were in Hebron on, on Easter cutting people out after the tornado. Yeah. Uh, Monday morning we started at First Baptist So. So I think Tuesday morning when I showed up, uh, somebody said, Hey, we got a bunch of masks. Here yeah. you go. So I That's think it. I was actually wearing uh, some of those masks uh, over the last few weeks, and, and we greatly appreciate it. Where were we at um, PPE-wise, and, and we, we throw that uh, acronym out a lot, Personal Protective oh, yeah. Equipment. Where were we at before this donation came in? Um, so it's – I can uh, I can tell you the first um, – the it's hard to give an exact number because that number is constantly moving. We sure. are using PPE every day, and we're constantly sourcing it. Um, and so the way that I look at it is every day that we, when we have been looking at PPE from the beginning, as our um, as our personal protective equipment usage has um, grown uh, um, in response to the COVID pandemic, um, we have always looked at that number of how long can it last us. Right, it's a, a burn rate. Um, right. You know, like gas in your tank of the gas in, in your car. You know, how much further can I go, or how many days till I have to fill up again? And what this donation did was extended that, um, and and we we're just grateful for that. You, know, you see a lot of people, you know, with with mask on now. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. they've got uh, you know a bandana. I was uh, at a restaurant the other day. Somebody had a Saints uh, mask on. We did the hoodat back to each other. Um, what uh, specifically at South Central, because of so many masks are needed, a lot of people on the outside, because we haven't had access to the hospital, they don't realize how many employees the hospital has and how many masks it takes um, you know, for everyone to wear the proper PPE while uh, they're working there. Yes. Um, so we have about 2,000 employees, and um, the type of mask that we ask people to wear depends on their their role and responsibility in the hospital. So for me, when I'm at my office desk, I wear a fabric mask because I'm not in a clinical encounter. Um, and then for in the ICU, they wear a, a higher level of mask. Um, and then there's a whole bunch of stuff in between that we don't have time to go into all the details, but... Um, yeah to protect our employees, to protect our patients, um, everyone um, in our hospital is asked to wear a mask. 
um, and that's just out of protection um, for for the whole community um, so that people can feel safe when they come here. Um, One thing about it, Luke, if you're wearing a Saints mask, you know you're not going to catch anything, right? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) All right, Doctor, you're talking talking about all these masks, and and I sit here every day and I lament about this. Our studio here looks out into a parking lot, big grocery store, big Mm -hmm. discount uh, clothing store. I see people walking in and out of here every day, and I would venture to say that 60% of them are not wearing a a mask. I was in a store. I had to make a quick dash into a store yesterday, not an employee in the store wearing a mask. What do you say to those people as a a doctor? So I I kind of have... I have the same answer regardless of which hat I'm wearing. Is that fair? Um, As a physician, I advocate for wearing a mask. It is I advocate for wearing a mask because it's um, it is just it's safe. Um, It's best practice. It protects you uh, from other people. It protects other people from you, and and in turn, with that kind of mentality, you protect your whole community. Um, But again, you know, as as just a friend and a family member. You know, that's what I advocate for my family, and that's what I advocate um, for my friends. So when I go to the grocery store, I do wear a mask. Um, And uh, I I just think it's the safest, you know, um, until we get, until we can watch and see what happens Um, with the, with the easing of the, um, with the easing of the stay at home order. um, That's really a, a, a good thing for our economy. And I think that the masks, you know, in public are just a safe way to enter into that chapter. Well, I agree. And I get the opportunity now to talk to you. We talk to Dr. Horn each week. You both say wear a mask. I'm going to do what y'all say. And I think that's just the safe avenue for everybody, don't you? I definitely do. I, I wear I, I wear a mask and advocate for it. Right. All right, Doctor. Well, look, thanks for your great work. And uh, thanks for all of you guys, what you're doing there, fighting this uh, terrible this terrible thing we're all dealing with. If it wasn't for y'all, I don't, I don't know what we do. And, uh, we really appreciate you, and I appreciate you taking the time to come on our show. I appreciate you all very much. Thank all you. All right, everybody. Doc, Dr. Teresa Camp Rogers. And I tell you what, man, these uh, these doctors over at South Central Regional Medical Center make me a little nervous, Luke. They're pretty smooth on the air. They could take mine in your place. They're pretty smooth, and, and we actually heard uh, that Dr. Camp Rogers went on Fox News recently. Right. But it wasn't just to talk about the mask. It was because they found out that she worked with Dr. Mark Horn. That was the real reason. <laughs> Undoubtedly, that's the case. All right, it's Thursday. We think we know where Patrick McGee is. We're going to bring him on the show right after this. Welcome back to the Eagle Hour. Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Full show today. Want to get right to it. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. 
<clears throat> excuse me, they are manning their internet 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Maybe not 24 hours a day, but pretty much seven days a week. So you can order your stuff and uh, have it delivered right to your front door. Don't let COVID-19 stop you from getting your favorite Southern Miss apparel at campusbookmartmart.net. I want to thank Dr. Teresa Camp-Rogers from South Central Regional Medical Center for coming on the show. Uh, we'll talk to Elise Smithson a little later in the show along with Kelly Sander. But right now we want to go back to New Orleans, and that's where our buddy Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald is residing these days. And, uh, Patrick, I understand you had a good conversation with athletic director, the athletic director at Southern Miss this week. Can you kind of fill in the blanks? Where do, where do things seem to stand at Southern Miss Athletics? Yeah, I'll try to give a, a good rundown of, of, of what all we talked about uh, in the story later this week, not early next week. But, uh, you know, we, you know, I asked a lot of the questions I think a lot of people are asking these days. You know, are we looking at potential changes for the football schedule, delay and all that? Uh, at, at this point, he said that they haven't really talked about delaying the football season. And it sounds like they're really just waiting on some type of guidance from NC2A and in Conference USA on when they can kind of uh, get the guys together for a report date. Uh, I think I saw what interesting on Twitter. I think Skip Holtz uh, said that they're looking at potentially a, a July 15th report date at Louisiana Tech. So uh, maybe read a little bit more into that. So, uh, you know, it, it's just so much uncertainty uh, regarding uh, 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 the future of this football season and, and when the guys may, may be able to report for practice or, you know, when games may be played or how they'll be played. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Jeremy's just, you know, we talked about the uncertainty and, and uh, also, you know, kind of talk with Jeremy about the possibility of, of spring seniors uh, coming back. And he gave me, a, you know, an idea uh, of how many of those might come back, you know, across the board in, in all spring sports, including track and all that. And it, it doesn't look like that uh, Southern Miss fans will be, you know, getting everybody back that they would like to. Uh, we don't have names. I think there's still you know, official decisions to be made by some of these guys. Uh, but if I had to guess, we may, might see 40% of the seniors uh, uh, come back uh, uh, for for the uh, 2021 spring season. Hmm. Interesting. <clears throat> have any idea uh, as to did, did you have a chance to ask him about this idea that's being floated around about football with no fans in the stands? No, I mean he, he well mm-hmm. he just said uh, he, you know, basically his response is I hope not I hope not because that would just be a huge blow you know for a school like Southern Miss where. Uh, ticket revenue was such a huge part of the the budget uh, from football because you know mm-hmm. you don't have those big TV contracts, right? Uh, that, that the SEC and everything. So uh, it, it would really hurt uh, for Southern Miss. Uh, it's you know, but at the end of the day, knowledge has got you know, they got to do what's right. And uh, so yeah, it's it's a difficult situation. Uh, but you know, right now it's it's hard to say whether they'll have fans or not. Right, Luke. Patrick, um, let's talk some Saints stuff. Uh, just get your general thoughts uh, about the Saints draft class first. Only four picks, but your thoughts about the four the Saints nabbed? Uh, I mean, it wasn't anything too sexy uh, about the, the the picks this year for the Saints. Uh, you know, you got, <laughs> when you know in in consecutive drafts, what your first pick is a center. <laughs> that's, not, that's not exactly <laughs> yeah. how you sell season tickets. Uh, off the draft, not that they have any problem doing that, but uh, you know, I think they met some demands uh, at center. You know, at linebacker, they had some depth. But I think that was the position everybody kind of expected them to go with. They go with uh, Zach Brown out of Wisconsin, and 
And it was really interesting how they basically gave away the rest of their draft uh, to, to draft that Adam Troutman out of Dayton. He better be pretty darn good uh, to give up that many picks. And then they got back in the draft with, with Tommy Stevens, the state quarterback, who whenever I saw him against Southern Miss, I thought he looked out, outstanding. Uh, the way he threw the ball against Southern Miss that day, really placing the ball well. He's a big guy, big athletic guy. I think some people have tried to compare him to like a Taysom Hill type that maybe can uh, fit other roles as possibly a tight end or something like that. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think the way I looked at it is that the Saints uh, didn't see much you know, value in getting a lot of picks out of this year's draft because, uh, you know, the uncertainty going into this season and the teams that are going to be in a better position are the more experienced teams, uh, the teams that have you know don't have to do a whole lot of uh, whether it's, you know don't have new coaches, uh, a bunch of new starters on both sides of the ball. So I think the Saints probably uh, uh, saw a chance to maybe stick with some some stability on both sides of the ball, not necessarily add a bunch of rookies. Yeah, Bond was, in some people, he was a late first-round grade, uh, or at least a second-round grade, and then he got injured, and a lot of people thought that that was a steal for the Saints. What does right. Ruiz's first-round uh, draft pick mean for Cameron Tom? Uh, well, it's not great for him, but I, I think there's expectation uh, that you'll see the, the, the center they had this year, the guy from A&M, they may be moving him the guard or something like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's not it's not great news for Cameron Tom just because you're going to add more depth uh, right there in the middle. I know Tom played some guard uh, this past season too. So uh, and like like Peyton said, they didn't draft him uh, Ruiz in the first round to uh, uh, to have him not start. Uh, so I, I would think that you know Tom's going to be a little bit more precarious situation going into the season just because they've got so many guys uh, in the, there in the middle of the line. But do you think he stays on the roster? Well, I mean that's that's just hard to say at this point i would think so i mean he's got experience and they've been they've liked what they've seen out of him so i would think he'd have a a good chance good chance to stay on the roster but as far as playing time that may be hard to come by all right boys you're both saints fans and you both have a new quarterback in town let me hear about it patrick jameson winston yeah james winston that's uh uh you know i you know i've never liked winston uh you know he was really impressive as a freshman at florida state as a player and then, you know, the off the field stuff kind of piles up. Uh, and as a quarter, you know, as a quarterback in the NFL, he's thrown a lot of interceptions. All you got to do is go back and look at the stats from a year ago. He threw for a bazillion yards, but uh, almost as many interceptions as touchdowns. So, uh, you know, they're, they're giving him one year for $1.1 million, which is super, super cheap uh, to get a guy like that. So I think maybe they'll get their money's worth out of him. Uh, but, you know, uh, it, it's a good emergency, you know, situation to where if you put Jameis Winston there and Breeze is out, say, five to six weeks, like it was with Teddy Bridgewater, while Bridgewater is a more steady hand there at quarterback, and Winston should be able to make that offense go. With, you know, right. they should be able to score points. So, uh, it, from that from that point of view, it's a good decision. But I, I don't think there's a lot of Saints fans that are super excited. Here's another interesting guy, and I, I saw Ron Rivera interviewed this morning on the NFL Channel and. He was asked about Cam Newton, and he basically said in a nice way he didn't really have any interest in Cam Newton. And the fact that he brought his second-string quarterback from Carolina over to Washington would indicate that. But why do you think, Patrick, there's no takers on Cam Newton? Well, he's just really regressed as a player. I mean, whether it be injury or a bunch of stuff. I mean, he just, as a passer, he was just painful to watch at times. 
And uh, we, as we all know, the more years you're in the NFL, your body wears down. And he was such an outstanding athlete, such a big guy. Coming into the league, he just didn't have that much mileage on him because he had played in junior college and that one season in Auburn. So he just, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't have as much wear and tear as a lot of guys do coming out of the SEC. So uh, it's just added up. He's had shoulder issues, and his mechanics have always been not – I mean, you, you know, he, he was still able to throw the ball fairly well, but his mechanics were never pretty. So I think it's just a combination of all that where he's not nearly as effective as he but it, it's fair to say at one point he might have been the best player in the league. Yeah, I mean, as an athlete, if he's healthy, he's an you know incredible, uh, incredible talent to a quarterback who can throw the ball whenever he's uh, kind of in a good mindset and he's healthy and uh, you know something like that. So yeah, I, I just think he's kind of lost confidence and his body is just starting to wear down on. So, do the Saints keep the kid from Mississippi State? Does he make the roster, and and do they do they classify Taysom Hill as a quarterback or, or some other sort of player on their roster, Patrick? Uh, well, I think Taysom Hill goes back into the role that he had this past season. Uh, I think we'll maybe see a little bit more of him on the field at quarterback. Uh, but they really want him in the role that he was in because he was pretty darn effective. I think everybody knows they should have had him on the field more against uh, Minnesota in the playoffs. So. I think the reason they got Winston was to allow uh, Taysom Hill to uh, stay in that role. So I, I think I think yep. Hill's there, and I think you know Tommy Stevens. Uh, I think they'll find a spot for him just because obviously they think he's maybe a little bit of a project, if not a quarterback, maybe a Taysom Hill type as, as a, more of a tight end. I don't think yet he he's not going to have the same speed as a Taysom, uh, but maybe he could be an H back slash tight end slash quarterback, something like that. So uh, yeah, I mean it's. It's interesting. Sean Payton's always get always gets creative. Just hope he doesn't get too cute. Yeah. All right, Patrick. We appreciate you as always. Hope you stay safe down there in New Orleans now, and uh, we'll look forward to talk to you again next week. Okay. Thanks, guys. Patrick McGee, everybody from the Biloxi Sun Herald, uh, residing in the Crescent City these days, and hopefully, uh, and we know he is laying very low. All right. When we come back, Lee Smithson's going to join us. Uh, Luke will introduce him right after the break. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Back on a beautiful Thursday in the state of Mississippi. It's the Eagle Hour. Thanks for joining us today, Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. And beautiful downtown Laurel. Appreciate the professor coming on and uh, talking some Saints and Southern Miss football with us, as he does every Thursday. The third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, just in the shadow of M.M. Roberts Stadium. Right now offering you the best curbside service in the world, 8.95 lunch every single day. 
Drink included, you can uh, go on their Facebook page and find out what the daily menu is for uh, that eight ninety five daily lunch, and we appreciate 4th Street Bar and Grill and their proud sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. Returning to the Eagle Hour today, Lee Smithson, the former executive director for the Mississippi Emergency Management, joins us now. And, uh, Lee, we appreciate you coming on and kind of bring us up to date uh, from your perspective. You've uh, been very gracious to come on and, and provide a lot of insight and uh, and wisdom because you've been there and you've uh, helped guide the state uh, through things of this nature. This is kind of unprecedented what we're dealing with. But where are we today, Thursday, April 30th? Well, uh, first of all, Luke, again, thank you for having me on. Um, uh, where we are in Mississippi today is kind of where we projected uh, when this thing really started and we started, you know, tracking um, the projections uh, on April the 1st. So here we are 30 days into it. 6,815 confirmed cases uh, with 246 deaths. Um, and yesterday's, uh, we had 261 new cases uh, and 11 uh, new deaths. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're trending the way we wanted, we, we expected, certainly not the way we wanted. We wanted to go down to zero. And that is the right. good news, Luke. I think that um, uh, right now that the, the uh, Mississippi Department of Health and all of the uh, agencies out conducting tests, we've tested 66,000 Mississippians, and that is uh, above the national average. So we're doing very, very well in that. We know that the governor is, is going to go on, I believe, today uh, at 2 o'clock with a press conference to continue to give his guidance on how we can uh, get the economy back open and hopefully get it open before it's too late, before we have irreparable damage done to the economy. But the problem that we have now is the governor, uh, Dr. Dobbs, uh, the Centers for Disease Control, everyone is issuing very incredibly good guidance on what we as Mississippians and we as Americans are supposed to be following. And the biggest thing that we need to be doing these days uh, is wearing a mask when we're out. But we need to only go out and do things that are essential uh, especially it's essential task when we're coming into contact with other people. And as we were talking uh, before we came on just now, you know, the, the requirement is anytime you're out in public is to maintain that six-foot distance and to wear a mask. And people think that because the governor is opening the economy back up that we can go back to normal. And that's just not the case. And the governor has, has done what he needs to do. The Mississippi Department of Health has done what it needs to do, and it's really time now for Mississippians to step up and do what we need to do. And if we don't, then we're going to, unfortunately, I believe, go back into a shelter-in-place, start shutting businesses down again. And then, you know, if we do that, uh, <laughs> we're not going to see uh, a, a return to any kind of semblance of normalcy for months and months and months. So... You know, if you care about Southern Miss football and maybe want to see a game this fall, it's time to wear a mask now. Go get a go get a Southern Miss mask and wear it, uh, so that maybe we could have a football season this season. And I don't really mean to be making light of it, but it, it's it's you're not protecting yourself as much with the mask on as you're protecting other people. Now, you know, Lee, I told my buddy Luke if he get a Saints mask, he wouldn't have to worry about catching anything. He didn't. That's right. He didn't think that was too funny, though. I, I don't think it's funny either. And I've heard that with the Cowboy mask. Redskins fans eat masks. Anyway, so, Lee, uh, 
about a week ago, the governor rolls out this safer at home. Uh, the the difference, and I guess going forward, what do you expect uh, to to happen maybe in the next week or so? Because this safer at home in place is uh, it goes until May the eleventh. Right. I think that uh, what the what the governor has been trying to do with the safer at home is say, you know, it's exactly that. It is you're safer at home. You're safer isolated. But if you must go out, you know, again, uh, uh, wear the personal protective equipment. I think that this is a true test right now uh, between now and the 11th of May uh, to see if our numbers start trending down. The number of daily deaths, the number of daily confirmed uh, positive cases aren't trending down. And the governor, uh, Dr. Dobbs from the health department, uh, and, and you, people like you and me, we want to see those numbers start going down. If they don't go down over the next two weeks, 10 days, uh, then we're going to have to go back into shutting businesses down again uh, and telling people to go back home. So this is the true, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road. And I think that the governor, you know, he's planning the worst case and he's planning the best case. He, I think he would like to, uh, by the, by the 16th or 17th of May, really allow all businesses to open back up as long as there's good social distancing. But um, it, 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 it's it's to be seen. And again, uh, the, the the government has done everything that it can do. It's up to us now to uh, uh, to minimize our travel. But when we're out, is to put those masks on. Right. And um, you know, I think that. Uh, between now and the 11th, it's just yet to be seen. Uh, but we have nobody to blame but ourselves. Uh, and I actually, in the store on Tuesday, uh, trying to check out, uh, a woman was standing just directly behind me, and I very nicely asked her to move back. And it didn't sit well with her, but she moved back. And she was small. I think I could have taken her. But, um, <laughs> but you know, it's incumbent on us to do that, too. It's not only to, to, to self-police. Uh, but to correct other people because they are jeopardizing um, our health and right. well-being as much as theirs. So, uh, you know, nobody likes a snitch, but everyone is. It needs to be responsible not only for our own health, but that that of other people too. So here, Lee, let me ask you this. So, uh, I think if you start opening things back up, and two or three weeks from now we see cases are declining or cases are not spiking, then everybody's going to feel a lot better about this. But what happens if we open things back up, the cases spike up again? Is the governor going to have the fortitude to shut everybody back down? Well, that that is the, the, the big question, and, and, and I don't know. The governor, uh, I think, throughout this entire uh, uh, pandemic has been very, very concerned about the economy, and it read rightly so, but... Um, you know, I think that if things go the other way, he's not going to want to shut things down. He's not going to want to watch our economy uh, continue to contract, but he's going to have no choice. Um, I don't think he wanted to issue the shelter in place to begin with, but he very quickly realized that it, it's not, it wasn't the prudent thing to do. It was the only thing that he could do. So I think that he'll, he'll look at it again and he will, he will delay as much as he can, but, um, you know, you, you can't have a, a robust economy when people are dying uh, and, and, and deathly ill. And, Lee, what, what can authorities do to enforce the, the mask requirement? Well, uh, 
One of the things that's been a little bit uh, interesting to me uh, throughout this entire ordeal is uh, the governor hasn't really gotten up and spoken very clearly about what his authority is when he has declared a state of emergency. And he has the total, as the governor, under uh, the Mississippi Constitution and the Mississippi Code in 1972, he has the authority to arrest people for violating uh, the, uh, the, the declaration of emergency. So, I mean, we certainly don't want to do that, but I think that we're going to see really good, strong leaders. Uh, Hattiesburg's uh, uh, Mayor uh, W. Barker comes to mind. Is we're going to we'll see some mandates of you will wear a mask, and if you don't, then they will impose a fine. And it can, you know, uh, there are some states. Uh, I know California. Uh, I believe it's a thousand dollar, up to a thousand dollar fine for not wearing a mask. I hope we don't get there, but I think that the governor, uh, in order to keep the economy open as much as he can, will impose um, uh, fines on not wearing masks. Okay. And I think that we're going to mm-hmm. see that uh, before we we shut the economy down anymore. We'll see where law enforcement has the authority to issue a citation for not wearing a mask. All right, my friend, you give us great insight every week. We really do appreciate the time. I gather that uh, I've, I've created another Saints fan on the show. Am I correct about that? Oh, you didn't create a Saints fan. I uh, I graduated from Tulane <laughs> in 1984, back in the Bum Phillips days when they were the Aints. And okay. if I can cheer for them then, I can always cheer for them. You like that, don't you, Johnson? Such an iconic franchise, Bob. <laughs> Such an iconic franchise. They're the epitome of an iconic franchise. There we go. Oh, there's too many of them on the show right now. All right, Lee, thank you so much, man. We appreciate you very much. All right, y'all have a wonderful day. Lee Smithson, everybody, former executive director of the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency and a Saints fan, I'll go ahead and say it. Kelly Sanders not, and he's on the show next. Toyota of Hattiesburg brings you the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour every single day. If you're looking for a new ride, new truck, new SUV, some of the best ones out there are made by Toyota, and Toyota Hattiesburg has them all. You can go on their website, toyotahattiesburg.com, and search their entire inventory, new, certified, pre-owned, and pick you out a brand-new ride, pick you out a great ride. So go see our friends at toyotahattiesburg.com. Kelly Jay Sanner joins us now. Kelly, some uh, late to the party, but never uh, late enough. The private schools uh, have made an announcement today regarding athletics. Yeah, we talk, we've talked about it uh, about two weeks ago. Of course, the MHSAA, the governing body of the public schools, long ago said that the spring season was officially over, but the MAIS, for whatever reason, was holding off. Well, now the Mississippi Association of Independent Schools has indeed said that springs, uh, the spring season, including baseball and softball for the high school kids, 
is is over. There's not going to be any spring season. So uh, the the private school kids now have been officially notified that that they're done for the school year. Again, no big surprise. We knew that it was coming, but quite frankly, we didn't know why it took so long for that decision to come down. But it is official now. No spring sports for the uh, private school kids. Also, Texas Tech now has joined the list of uh, of schools cutting budgets. I think we may have uh, talked a little bit about that. Three point seven million coming off of. Um, of Texas Tech's budgets, uh, coaches, administrators, athletic department officials all taking salary cuts in order to to deal with the unforeseen future. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's got it's got to be really scary for these ads. They're cutting budgets, and I get that, but you really don't know what you're getting into. Right. You know, there, there's just mm-hmm. absolutely no way of knowing at this point. Well, here, I want to throw this at you, Kelly. Uh, I read last night where Southern Miss announced they're going to reopen the campus in August. And, uh, you know, kids are going to be going back to class on campus in August. That sort of indicates to me that, that they're planning to play football, even if it's with nobody in the stands. I agree with you, Bob. And, and people have pointed out, you know, well, then that means the high schools will do the same thing. That is not the case, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Again, we, we talked about this, and it's complicated. But colleges, the students at colleges are legally adults. So they can make decisions as to whether they want to go to classes in a classroom setting or take the classes online. High school kids are minors, most of them, you know, by and large, by the, by the law. So, and they legally have to go to school. So if the public schools open up their campuses uh, when things aren't ready yet and some of these kids get infected, then you've got a whole big legal mess on your hands. Mm-hmm. So even though the colleges are going to do that, I just don't see the public schools doing that. I think there will be some type of fall semester, albeit online, but I just don't think we'll see the high schools in a classroom setting until January. And again, I hope I'm wrong because if they don't have the campuses open, then there can't, you know, the athletes can't be there to train, which mm-hmm. would mean there's no football season for the high schools. But you're dealing with minors in high school, you're de- dealing with legal adults colleges two completely different decks of cards mm-hmm. so you're still of the belief there won't be any high school football aren't you i am and believe me with all capital letters and underlined three times i hope i am wrong yeah yeah all right on another subject say it ain't so kelly your beloved cincinnati Bengals are parting ways with their longtime starting quarterback andy dalton yes uh he has been released uh he was counting $17.7 million against the salary cap in the NFL. Now, that's not to say that he's not going to resign, re-sign with the Bengals, but by them releasing him, they are now free to, to renegotiate his contract. Uh, so he may come back to Cincinnati, but a much cheaper price. But meanwhile, the, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars and that team up in you know Boston, the Boston area, yeah. Uh, they're both looking for quarterbacks, and, and I, it would be ju- just my luck, Luke, that <laughs> Andy Dalton would sign with the Patriots and they'd win the Super Bowl and he'd win the MVP. I was about, I was just about to say hello, Mr. Belichick, because yeah, I'll well, tell you what. I, I did this today, guys, and I just want to and, – and, and to honor Andy Dalton, okay, if I told you this – I saw this today. It jumped out at me. Got to share it. Since 2011, only six quarterbacks have done the following. 30,000 pass yards, 200 pass touchdowns, 70 wins. Here they are. Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger, 
and Andy Dalton. If he gets a semi-cast around him, he can be a playoff quarterback. Hello, Patriots. Well, if that happens, like Joe Burrow, you're going to have to talk me off the bridge. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But but it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, he's a smart guy. You know, he went to TCU. He's a good quarterback, Kelly. Yeah, he's he's decent, you know, but but let's face it, no NFL team is going to pay seventeen million bucks for a guy to sit on the bench. Right. No, you're right. All right, so. that wraps up. Kelly, I have some shocking news I want to share with you before we go off the air. You've been in my house. You know I have a two story house. Are yeah, you sitting are you yeah. sitting down? I am. Radio came up the stairs today, Kelly. You mean your dog radio? Yes. He walked up the stairs and laid on the couch upstairs. Well, he was exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> Unprecedented times. Hey, no kidding, man. That that is great news. Pretty remarkable stuff. Yeah. For Thursday. All right, we'll be back tomorrow at one o'clock, everybody, with the gang. Until then, Southern Miss to, to the, the top. top. Into the future I want to fly like an eagle To the sea Fly like an eagle Let my spirit carry me I want to fly like an eagle Till I'm free Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.